I was a little bit worse for wear yesterday, but today I'm I'm on the mend. You're on the mend. Yep. How? Uh, what was the What was the big occasion? Um. Well, I I had a really big night on Saturday night. I was out in Birmingham with my little cousin, uh, who's not so little anymore, and it was one of them where we were drinking as it is, and then um, because I knew the people DJing, um, they took us backstage and we were drinking. Ciroc from the bottle and we were drinking Hennessy from the bottle and champagne and with that we were drinking them from the same glass i.e. we were putting champagne and Ciroc in the same glass and drinking it which wasn't a good idea so yeah I felt a bit rough yesterday you're so big time (laughs) you're so big time I'm even name dropping brands of vodka and stuff yeah we're, sponsorship that's what we're doing we're doing it for sponsorship yeah let's get some Ciroc you know, sponsorship deal in I wouldn't mind that yeah if, there, if there's anyone uh, from Ciroc that you know listens to the podcast you know just uh, I mean I didn't really drink to be honest so I'm just happy with like a panda pop I think it would look quite nice on a on a football shirt what I always what, think pop? well I always think to myself what brand like logo would look good on a football shirt. Oh. I remember when Orkzair was sponsored by PlayStation 2, and I thought that looked really cool. Yeah. Yeah, that's a shout. That is a shout. Big weekend of football. Yeah, lots of upsets. I think ultimately it was the perfect weekend if you're a Liverpool fan. Yes. Shall we talk about the shall we shall we talk about a game that wasn't an upset first? Hit me with it. Which game wasn't an upset? The Liverpool game? Uh no. So Newcastle beat Man United on uh on Saturday on Sunday. And that that wasn't an upset. Oh, yeah. Wow, I mean, United are that bad now that do we class it as an upset? Well, it's mad because literally on the last episode, we spoke in great detail about how bad things are for Newcastle. Yeah, And then they go and beat Manchester United, which goes to show, I think things are probably worse for Manchester United than they are for Newcastle right now. It's it's sort of in, it's sort of, it's different though, isn't it? Sort of like, because United are used to being sky high. Whereas yeah. Newcastle have had their lows. So Newcastle really are, have stayed in that low. So a couple but, of stats. We we were both born in 1992. So we are as old as the Premier League. Um, yeah. So as well as it being the worst... We're actually older. We're actually older than the Premier League. Are we? Yeah, because the Premier League started in August 92. Oh, Okay. Well, in our entire lifetimes, and also in the history of the Premier League, this is the worst start Manchester United have ever made. Um, it's this after eight games. It hasn't been this bad since nineteen eighty nine, I think. Wow! I also found out a stat that this is um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer's record in twenty eight games. 
is worse than the last 28 games uh, Jose Mourinho was in charge. Um, really? There's a couple of other stats that I can't think of right now. Um, we're two points above the relegation zone. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I mean, so if we look at the game, yeah. right? Um, what are your overriding feelings on it? Do you... Because it's a weird one, isn't it? Because I watched the game yeah. and the, the most damning thing was is that I don't think that there was... I didn't know that was that much difference between the two sides. Um, I, I guess for me, the difference is Manchester United may have a lot of possession, but there's no like, there's clearly no identity and no idea on top of that. Like we pass about sideways, constantly just try and keep the ball, but there's very little intention to make something happen. Um, furthermore, Rashford would putting a whole load of like reliance and emphasis on Rashford being our striker who's going to get us goals. But I'm not sure if you watched Match of the Day. I think it was Alan Shearer who highlighted how unstriker like Rashford is. He's not getting into the box at the right time. Half the time he's not even getting into the box. He's not making those runs. And if he does make those runs, Fred can't pick a pass. So yeah. there's no clear route to goals for Manchester United. So um, where where Rashford's concerned, because I think Rashford looks tired. I yeah. think I think that, you know, where everyone forgets he's still I mean, he's still reasonably young. I know that he's had a lot of experience, but you know, he look he does look tired. Um I think this new pressing game that Ollie's trying to bring in is having an effect on him. Yeah. Um where his fitness isn't as good as what it needs to be for that type of play do yeah. you I think the most damning thing is that you're relying on him that much that you can't give him a rest yeah I think there's definitely that I think he's I think he's injured because remember he, he got that injury not too long ago and he came back so quickly I don't think he was yeah. ready to come back I think he's injured like we said he's young and he's been playing since he kind of <laughs> broke into the squad he's been playing for England played in the World Cup. He's been playing for Manchester United almost every week. I just think it's, he's doing too much too young maybe and maybe he could do with a rest, <clears throat> some kind of off the bench appearances. Um, yeah. yeah. But because we've got rid of our other strikers, we can't really afford to, unless we bring in Mason Greenwood, but then do we have the exact same problem where we play a player too often too young and then he gets tired? I, I don't know, man. Like the thing is, is I'm I'm looking at the starting eleven now for United, and it <clears throat> there is no one in that starting eleven really that screams to me, "Wow!" Maguire's I mean, I know you got De Gea, but huh? Maguire's a good player, I think. Yeah, I mean, Maguire's all right. Maguire's all right. I still think you you vastly overpaid for him, but that's the market that we live in now. Based on obviously the header that he missed that free header from a corner he should have scored that Van Dyke would have scored that which is his bread, which is his bread and butter isn't it exactly his bread and yeah. slabhead um, <laughs> but like David Hale we all know his quality we know he's going through a bit of a rough, rough patch but apart from that I mean 
Ashley Young, me, uh, not not yet. Uh, Twan Zebe looks okay, but he's only had a handful of games. Still young in here. Uh, da- Dallo, I've not really seen much of that. I'm like, oh yeah, he's going to be good. Not good enough, um, I think. McTominay, M- M- I heard someone describe him yesterday as someone that's not world class, but will play for the shirt. And I completely get where they're coming from because I think he he plays well for you guys. But I also think that's a signal of how well, how sort of far you've fallen. Because United centre midfielders, when we were growing up, were always the biggest and the best. Do you know what I mean? It was sort of like Skulls and Keane and there was personality in there. And they were like some of the best players in the league. Yeah. And sort of you're relying on him now. I think... Uh, Fred. Oh, Fred is a joke. I, I could go on a rant about Fred all day. I'm not going to, but he's a waste of time. Well, thing is, is I think, I think you paid like 50 odd million for Fred. I don't actually know what he's good at. I can't quite work out what he's good at. There's nothing that Fred excels in. And for for 50 million, even if it is an inflated market, for, for someone to pay 50 million, you have to be, you have to excel at something. The worst and, thing and is, I don't see it. I think if Fred was at another club with a bit more of an identity, he would probably look quite good. The thing I've noticed about Fred is he tries to make things happen. Like there'll be a, a series of us passing sideways, playing safe. Fred will try a killer ball, but he can't execute it. So on one hand, and I quite the- like the fact he's actually trying to make stuff happen. He's just terrible at making stuff happen. And no one else is on the same page. Damning. That is damning. Yeah. Um, you've got Daniel James, who I'm, I, I, I actually think is quite exciting. Yeah. Uh, and I feel quite sorry. I feel quite sorry for him. Yeah, same. Uh, Matter. Matter who hasn't been the the matter of you know years gone by for a while. Yeah, he's Andreas Pereira. Andreas Pereira, I I don't think much of. No. And, and Rashford has been well. You know, we've already spoke about him, and it's sort of like that's just starting at eleven, and your bench isn't much better. So I mean, it's. <clears throat> I keep hearing people say, "Well, they need they need investment. They need investment." But it's not like you guys haven't had investment. No, I spent a lot of money. I, I mean, the players obviously have to take some responsibility, but you do look at the manager and think to yourself, "Is Oli going to Solskjaer the one who's going to take us to the to the next level?" Like even tactically, like when we went one nil down, he didn't really change anything. Like we've been playing badly for enough time for Oli to think, right, I need to change something, play a different formation um, create an identity, have some sort of like tactical, whatever it may be. And we just never look like that. As soon as we go a goal down, I think we've lost. Whereas other clubs you look at and they go a goal down and, you know, the manager can bring someone on or switch something around. I just don't see Oli doing that. I don't think he's tactically great and I don't think he's a great motivator either. So He's not good enough for Man United, unfortunately. Right, big shit. Yeah. Ollie, Ollie, Ollie won't make Christmas. Yeah, I agree. Unless something drastically turns around, which I don't see it happening. But I think that the problem I mean, is we need to like have someone in place before Ollie goes. Because it'll be terrible if we like lose Ollie get someone temporary in who doesn't really do the business either and ruins their legacy. We need to have someone in place if Ollie's going to go. Yeah. Poch. 
<laughs> I mean, he's not doing very. He's not. Well, hold on, because we can get on to Tottenham in a sec. Yeah. But there was one stat I wanted to chuck at you. Hit me. Since since Solskjaer was appointed as Manchester Manchester United boss, yeah. Liverpool have won the same number of Premier League matches, seventeen, as United have won points. Sorry, we've got seventeen points in a year. No, no. So since since he was permanent man, since he's been named permanent manager. Oh, okay. That was the beginning of the the downfall. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Seventeen points. I think. I think of all the current Premier League teams, sort of. If you was to go and look from Ollie's time when he started, like when he started his permanent position, mm-hmm. to now, if you was to look at all the ever present Premier League teams, which says seventeen of. Mm-hmm. Manchester United would be 14th. That just says it already, doesn't it? But right, Tottenham. Let's talk about Tottenham because let's you know we could talk about Man United all day. I wish I could. <laughs> but another what's, upset. Go, what's going on? Um, what's going on? I think they're tired and a bit demotivated. You can tell with you know the analysis of how they play. I'm, I don't know the stats off the top of my head, but I reckon the stats will show their work rate has fallen since last the good part of last season. Um, equally, I kind of look at Tottenham over the last couple of years and they may have finished third last season, but they lost a hell of a lot of games. Mm, yep, yep. Um, which kind of says it says just as much about them as it does about the teams chasing them. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Manu, Chelsea, Arsenal, none of them will be like massively proud of the season they had last season. So Tottenham were lucky that you know they like, they caught those other teams on a, on a bad season, and so they look a lot better than they actually are. I think maybe reality is starting to show that Tottenham have actually been quite lucky over the past couple of years. Um, well, I mean, if you if, if you look back last season, mm-hmm. Tottenham lost thirteen games. That's a lot um, of games to lose. Man United, Man United lost ten. Arsenal lost ten. Chelsea lost eight. Liverpool lost one. Man City lost four. Wolves lost the same amount of games as Tottenham. Yeah. Um, Southampton, who finished 16th, only lost four more games than Tottenham. Yeah. I think it's... Um, I think, you know what, this this one I think does boil down to players. Um, we're probably going to talk about Poch in this, but before we do, I kind of want to just take a little bit of blame off of him a bit. I think players are struggling with motivation. They've been nearly something for so long. They've been nearly champions of whatever cup whatever league competition. And after a while, that whole nearly consistent nearlies must have an effect on the player's psyche. It's, it's clear that, you know, players are there that don't really want to be there, whether it's because of money or whether it's because they want a, a new challenge. Um, they've got rid of, they may have brought some players in, but they got rid of Trippier, who... I think, although he had a few slip-ups last season, was actually a very, very important player in terms of putting the ball in and getting assists for Harry Kane. And the fact that he's playing so well at Atletico says a lot. They've brought in Walker Peters, who isn't old enough. Serge Aurier looks like he's going to get sent off every game of his temperament. 
Um, the, the thing the, the thing of where I disagree with you with Trippier is, is I think Trippier have become very frustrating for Tottenham fans. Trippier was brought in from Burnley on the basis of exactly what you said, his crossing ability. Yeah. What, what I noticed with Trippier last season was that every time he had the chance to cross, he would try and find the easy pass. There would be very little opportunity for him. Well, there, there'd, have, there'd be a lot of opportunity, but very little crossing attempts. Mm-hmm. He doesn't really. He never really wanted to beat a man last season. And I don't know whether or not this is what we what we're saying now is that he perhaps got a little bit stale, and he's sort of rejuvenated now. He's at Atletico because obviously, like you said, he's doing really well there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that might be partly down to what's happening at Spurs. That the turnover of player is not as vast as everyone else. Yeah. So I think I think that if you look at Spurs, um, I think they've got eight players that it's something like eight players that started this weekend that also were starting games three years ago. Mm-hmm. Whereas Liverpool, Man City have got like two or three. Yeah. And I think the problem is is there's that stale core. Where they're like, what, what are we doing? Like we we seem to have hit a lull now. Um, I don't think you can necessarily put too much blame at the manager. I think he isn't blameless. I don't think he's, I don't think anyone's blameless in the situation. But he, it is it. It's a component of different things. It's a component of board level not giving them well, not even not giving them the money. Or not giving them enough money. Um, mm-hmm. It's about it's about Poch. If he does have the money, why is he not spending it? Because mm-hmm. um, Tottenham, Tottenham were Champions League finalists last season. Like really, they could have powered on. I did remember last week was talking about us signings, and I completely forgot about Ryan Sessegnon. So we'll see what he's like when he comes oh, back from injury. Of course, yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's a tough. So go on. I. I the problem is, is I think that players go through lulls. Like every player goes through a lull. But the problem is, it seems like Tottenham, all of their squads going through a lull at the moment. Lloris for the first goal. I, I mean, it was a horrendous injury. Yeah. What followed, but it's not going to fill your confidence. Mm. Having a goalkeeper that that is causing that type of issue when really someone of his caliber should be dealing with it. Yeah. Um. Well, I think it's it's all clearly a psychological thing at Tottenham. Um, you take players like Hugo Lloris, who we just mentioned. Hugo Lloris in his head is thinking, I'm a World Cup winner. You know, I took my team to the World Cup final and won. I should be playing at the, the highest level. I should be earning domestic trophies. But I'm playing for this nearly team. And I think a lot of players in the squad are thinking, I'm in a nearly team. I don't want to be in a nearly team. At the end of my career, I want to look back at all the medals and all the trophies I've won not how many times we finish second place. And I think that kind of psychology has an effect on players. With regards to Poch as well, I think um, I think what has happened with Poch is if they won the Champions League, which would have been a pretty lucky, fluky win given their run, um, I think Poch would have left because he would have said, right, yeah. I've, ach- I've achieved something here at Tottenham. Now I want a new challenge. Maybe he'll go, he would have gone to Real Madrid, maybe, who knows? Um, but because he didn't win, he feels he needs to stay to achieve something at Tottenham. And I think that nature 
might affect his legacy in a detrimental way because he's kind of outwelcomed his stay. There's a, a quote from Batman, which I love, which is uh, either you live long enough, what's it, you die a hero or live long enough to become a villain. Mm. And I think what's happened is even if, even though Tottenham didn't win the Champions League or anything for that matter last season, if Poch left at the end of last season, he would have left a real hero amongst the Tottenham fans. Um, but he stayed and he's ruining his legacy. I mean, I don't think he's ruining his legacy at the moment. I think I think that that will happen because I think how of how fickle football fans are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's quite there yet. What I would say about, I think it's a very interesting topic you brought up about psychology of players. Mm-hmm. My devil's advocate argument would be is that Tottenham, if you look at Tottenham's squad, and I, I maintain this on paper, Tottenham have one of the best squads in the league. Well, one of the best first 11s in the league. Yeah, I agree um, with that. So surely, if they have one of the best first 11s in the league and all these players are like, well, I should be competing, yeah. isn't that down to them? Isn't that down to them that they haven't achieved as much as what they should? I get, I get. There's, there's, there's different variants, like in the League Cup, for instance, when you play a weakened team, it's out your hands. But, but like, they, and and I guess it, it might come down to a psychology of fit thing again. Like when Leicester won the league, I know Tottenham were sort of on the peripheries of maybe doing something, but like everyone says, they finished third in a two-horse race. That's that's down to the players. That's not. Yeah, and they, and I kind of I kind of think to myself like you can't have you can't have players saying well you know I'm I'm Hugo Lloris I'm a World Cup winning captain I should be we should be doing better than this if you're part of the issue. Yeah, it's that I think it's partly you know that whole you want to get a job somewhere, but the position only takes people with experience. But how do you get experience if you haven't worked there? Yeah. before I think it's maybe maybe they're that sort of psychology there like you know I'm playing for Tottenham and surely we're worthy of winning something but we haven't won anything so I don't know if that affects players minds or mindsets mm. um, are you kind of saying that there's almost you almost feel like there might be an entitlement would you would you say that that they almost part of them feel almost entitled because of how good they are as players they're like you know we should be winning stuff like I you know, they should, they feel like they're winning it before they're going out type thing. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. And in that respect, there's possibly a complacency. You, maybe you see it in the attitudes of some of like the high regarded players, like your Toby Alderweireld, like your Ericsson, maybe Hugo Lloris to an extent. Um, Cause these players, I, I don't think play with as much heart as say someone like Harry Kane. They kind of yeah. know within themselves that they're not saying bigger than the club, but they're an entity that are currently part of the club, but they're an entity that at any point could be part of another club. And they're sort of at the back of their minds aware of that. Okay, yeah, I'll see what you're saying. Um, I don't really know. I'm kind of just talking off the off the top of the dome, but there's there's clearly something happening at Tottenham and I, I personally am very reluctant to to heap too much blame on Poch. Mainly because I want yeah, Poch to come to more. United as well. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's... Let's move on. Let's let's talk about the big shock. Shall we talk about the big shock of the weekend or Yeah, let's let's 
Whale, well it's the big shark. <laughs> oh, could we get that? Could we get that? We should get that on like a little. Uh, that could be good. The big shark. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, the big shark. Um, City losing to Wolves. Yeah, this game I didn't see actually. I think this game happened at the same time as the Chelsea game, which I watched. Um, so I didn't actually see the game. But from looking at the stats and watching some of the highlights, it seemed like Man City had a lot of chances, but Wolves kept it pretty tight at the back and then hit him on a counter-attack. Yeah, I mean... So City had 10 chances, all in told. Wolves had five. Okay. Um, Wolves only had 25% possession. Mm-hmm. But... The thing with City was they, and this is the first time that I've really seen this, um, they gave Wolves chances. They were very sloppy at the back. Mm -hmm. And when you, I mean, don't get me wrong, I like like Jimenez and and I like that, but they're, they're not the best attacking outfit in the league. And I think that City can't afford to do this anymore. This has cost them dearly. Um, I personally think that um, they, they're going to need to invest in January because when a lot of times there was stray passes um, sort of from the fullbacks that was sort of trying to, get, trying to find out a centre-back ended mm-hmm. up getting to a Wolves player. And when you get Nicolas Otamendi in a one-on-one position and you're a half-decent striker, he's in trouble. Mm-hmm. And alongside him, you've got Fernandinho, who I think is a great player, but not he's a not a centre-back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's not a he'll do a good job there, don't get me wrong. He'll do a good job there, but he's not a centre-back. Yeah. Um, and I think as soon as you... If the full-backs are pushing high and there's a stray pass and you're against them too, or, you know, you're against one of them. You fancy your chances a little bit more than if it's Stones and not Stones and Laporte. Um, I mean, I saying that, I didn't expect Wolves to win. I, I, I really didn't. Even when Wolves went 1-0, 1-0 up, I thought to myself, well, City are going to turn this around anyway. Um, it was a few weeks ago when... Uh, Laporte first became injured. We had a quick conversation and you suggested that they'll miss him. I am sort of eating my words now because I thought Man City will be absolutely fine, but I didn't realise how Laportant um, Laporte actually is. <laughs> um, and I think over the last few weeks, teams have started to to recognise that and have, you know, really come at City. Whereas I think before, teams would almost give City too much respect and just not expect to get anything out of the game and just like try and defend. But it seems like teams are like looking to actually counterattack them because they know they can now. Um, yeah. And yeah. who, I just want to mention who better to counterattack than a player like Adama Traore. Yeah. yeah what an, I mean, he's got, he's got a little bit of pace about him, hasn't he? Oh my God. What an absolute beast. And he's hench as well. I think he's been a really interesting player for me because you look at him and, you know, his capabilities in terms of him being strong and quick, you would think he's potentially a real, real top player. But 
over the last couple of seasons, I just think his end products let him down a little bit. And I just yeah, hope... I don't think technically... Mm. I don't think technically he's that great. I think that he has the... Like you said, he has the pace and the strength. Mm-hmm. But his technical ability is a little bit lacking. Do you think he um, could step up those things and become a great player? Or do you think he will always be just this quick, strong guy who can't finish all the time? <laughs> So I think that he could become a lot better, mm-hmm. but he won't. Wow. That, that's what I think. I think that he, he has the potential to be a real good player, but I just I don't think that he'll improve as much as what he should be. Interesting. I wonder if anyone um, said that to his face. <laughs> Would you say that to his face? I mean, he's a bit big, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's not like you can run away from him. <laughs> exactly, so, yeah. You're in, a, you're in a little bit of trouble, aren't you? I'd probably just be like, no, I think you're great, mate. I think you're a real good footballer. How you're not playing for Barcelona is beyond me. Messi <laughs> who? Yeah. Um, um, also, on yeah. on Wolves as well, it's good to see Jimenez have a decent game. He was like a real star last season and he hasn't quite hit the ground running so far this season. But I do like Jimenez. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I took him out of my fantasy team, which I think I'm still bottom in the league of. I had a um, terrible week. I'm, I'm, not, I'm ninth. I'm ninth. I used my triple captain and it didn't. I Sterling was my triple captain and it failed on me. I'm actually joint ninth. With who? With me? No, you're bottom. Are you joking? Oh, no, I'm not. <laughs> you know what I took just on fantasy football I took Wesley out of my squad and he went and got two goals and an assist I put Lewis Dunk on my bench and he kept a clean sheet and like got bonus points Loris obviously flopped on me who else was there Eric Peters for Burnley kept a clean sheet but you have to play for at least 60 minutes to get the clean sheet bonus he was subbed after 58 so no one really. Madison got a goal. Squad, no, you got you got. I got who? Yeah, it's not good, buddy. I know it's a joke. Oh, usual, oh god, it's a real Woods, joke. Pookie and Firmino. Yeah, Firmino didn't do anything. Um, yeah, see, I put Mount back in my side. The only thing is, I forgot to change my captain. I put I had Luca Digne as my captain. Ah, oh, everything really you know, joke. But but anyway, anyway, going Sorry, back yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, so, where were we? We were talking about Wolves and how much we admire Wolves. Um, oh, that's it. Jimenez. Yes. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, whether or not this will kickstart their season, I think the international break has come at a bad time. I think they, they probably wanted to carry on rolling. Yeah. Um, like Fred Durst. But, like Fred Durst. Yeah. Um, but... I mean, I think they're going to be one of them teams that Europe is going to still affect them. I think this is a big result for them, but I still think that Europe is going to have that impact where they're going to struggle a little bit until they get out of Europe. Yeah. Um, but okay, I think it's one of them things. I think they're trying to do well in Europe because they know that they're going to be all right in the Premier League. And I think that that's going to be their issue is that they're not going to do as well because of they're putting all their, all their eggs in one basket. Yeah. Um, but yeah, massive win. Congratulations to Wolves. Um, shocked and a little bit concerned, to be honest. The, the, the result has concerned me. And, well, concerned you as a Liverpool fan or just as a 
Yeah, yeah, concern me as a Liverpool fan. I I don't understand why it would. Surely that's that's absolutely worked in your favour. So it it has, but at the same time, everyone's now saying, "Well, you can't lose the league from here." Oh, I see what you mean. And and if every if anyone knows how to lose a league from a winning position, it's, it's us. definitely Liverpool. <laughs> go on to Liverpool then that for me was the best game of the weekend as a currently Leicester fan um, yeah and I, I didn't learn any songs unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> I was going to sing one to you but I, couldn't, I, I didn't actually learn any yeah as a what it was just a great game a really really good game especially towards the end of the game when Leicester got that goal back it was pretty exciting stuff I think overall Liverpool were probably the better team, but just dramatic late penalty. Milner slots it away nicely. the The controversial point was: was it a penalty? Right. Yes, I think it was. But I think it was very soft. Yeah. I think the the, the thing is is I think there is contact, albeit minimal, albeit minimal. Um. Or bright at minimal. But, didn't really work, did it? What? What was that? You said albeit minimal, and I said all bright at minimal. That's bad. <laughs> That's bad. Um, so, you know what? Actually, before you say this, I look, just wanted to say, I was sort of planning that when we do this podcast, we talk about Liverpool and then we talk about Tottenham. Because I was going to say it was all Brighton, and it was also all Brighton, but yeah. Missed the opportunity. <laughs> <laughs> we can we we can we can do an edit. We can do an edit. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, carry on. So, so like, the problem is, is all Brighton's gave the ref a decision to make, mm-hmm. and I think when you give the referee a decision to make, you can't argue too much. Um, he was always going to go down because that is what attacking players do now they feel a touch especially if they're drawing and they have the chance to win in the last minute mm-hmm. they're going to go down um, so I think as soon as you give the ref that opportunity you're you're struggling um, and VAR was never going to overturn it because there was a touch yeah. so it's never going to be classed as a clear and obvious mistake I, I think it just was a penalty as much as Mane went down easily watching the replay you see all Brighton like he kind of lunges forward and just that lunge is enough to like put the player off so I'm saying even if Mane didn't go down he's done enough to like obstruct the player without touching the ball whatsoever yeah so it's a penalty if that was outside of the box it would be a free kick Um, I think it was really interesting because just before that, I thought All Brighton did really well to get back, and there was a clear confusion. I think All Brighton had touched it, so there was that confusion. Can Cashbush Michael handle it? Don't know. So All Brighton kind of went to clear it, didn't see there was someone over his shoulder, and it was just a bit of an unlucky circumstance, I think. Um, yeah. Yeah. And in the heat of the moment, All Brighton just lunged, and yeah, for me, penalty. Yeah, I mean it's. Like I said, it it it, sh- it shone down well on Liverpool. That's mm. seventeen wins in in a row. Um, the record is Manchester City with eighteen wins. Liverpool can equal that at Old Trafford. 
That'll be a, be good a nice game. place to uh, be a nice place to. Um, we're going to do a pod straight afterwards, so one of us is going to be extremely sour. It looks likely that Liverpool have got that in the bag. To be fair, I'll still be a Leicester fan oh, then. In all fairness, no, you're not. You're not, <laughs> not for that one, mate. Not for that game. Uh, the thing is, is form. I, I feel like form goes out the window for games like this. Yeah, absolutely. And I know that United are really, really bad at the moment, and you know we're on a incredible run but I still am not 100% confident I still feel like it's going to be a boring nil-nil draw let's um, let's keep talking about this Liverpool Leicester game um, well more specifically to do with Liverpool I was listening to another podcast earlier um, where someone made the claim that Sadio Mane is the third best player in the world and then it turned into another debate because obviously Van Dijk was Ballon d'Or favourite. Um, is Mane better than Van Dijk? And I want to ask you, Dan, as a Liverpool fan, who is more important to your squad, Van Dijk or Mane? Oh, that's, inc- that's incredibly difficult. It's, it's a real difficult one because... I think, I think quite naturally I think, we look at attacking players as like the best in the world because they score goals, they get assists, etc. But it's it's very fair to say that Liverpool, their whole team has changed because of that one centre back you bought. So I think Van Dijk is more important to us. Yeah. Um, I think Van Dijk is more important purely because if you are front free, if you take Mane away, um, and I'll talk about our front free in a minute. Um, but if you take Mane away, you've still got Firmino and Salah, who are going to be problems. Yeah. If you take away Van Dijk from the defence, you're left with Lovren or Gomez to replace him. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really have that feel about it. It doesn't really have that, like, the confidence yeah. that sort of Van Dijk sort of brings. So I'd say on that basis, Van Dijk, plus obviously the, the corner that we turned when he arrived has been incredible. Yeah. Um. What I would say to you, though, is I would rather have Mane than Salah. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think that's um, very few people will disagree with you. Maybe last season, um, slightly different, but towards the end of last season and this season, Mane has been the guy. Uh, yeah. Um, so I think Mane is incredibly indispensable. Um but I think Van Dijk is probably our most important player just because of what he's done. Um, the it, It's dreamland, really, is from this, a Liverpool fan. Is you. this the best Liverpool squad in the history of Liverpool Football Club? Because of how good the 80s teams were and how much they cleared up, you know, winning league titles and that. and Man for man, possibly, but I think as a team... You know, we've won the Champions League, which is fantastic, but it needs to be year on year. We need to be winning stuff year on year. So, no, not not best team in the Premier League era, definitely. Yeah. But no, I can't. I, I couldn't. I couldn't rule out the teams of the eighties. Yeah. Just because of how well they've done and how much how much they've put us on the map. Yeah, absolutely. That's fair enough. Interesting question, though. If I don't say so myself. <laughs> no, definitely. I I think it's just 
like every other Liverpool fan, I think it's just waiting to see what happens now. We're eight points in front with 30 games left. It's yours to lose. See, it's so difficult. So, so me being a bit of a pessimistic Liverpool fan, and I don't say that because I, don't, I think we're bad. I'm just saying it because I want to kind of be... I've been disappointed before, so I kind of... I don't want to get my hopes up about winning the league, but we've got 30 games left. Like, it's still so early on in the league. Like, we were at Christmas, and, I mean, admittedly, City had, like, a game in hand or something like that, but if, even if they'd won that, we'd have still been seven points in front. Mm. Like, and that was at Christmas. So I, I don't believe that it's us to lose at the moment. I think um, like, when we take Liverpool and... Go on. I understand why people say it, but these next few weeks, like, because we got Manchester United, then we got Tottenham, mm. and then a couple of weeks later, we got City, and that's going to be huge. Yeah. Um, I think if we come through that unscathed, I think you can probably, you, you, you can start to say that then, but we've still got to play City twice. So they can get six points on us. We've still got to play United twice, Tottenham twice. So, I mean, it's... I think um, the difference between City and, and Liverpool, we speak a lot about the strength and depth at Man City in particular. And I think injuries or lack of injuries has been kind of kind to Liverpool thus far. I think inevitably there'll be a point in the season where a Sadio Mane might be up for a few games or a Van Dijk. And Bart Allison, you've been okay thus far. Whereas you look at City, yeah. who have had Laporte has been out, um, Leroy Sane yesterday. Yeah, De Bruyne, Leroy Sane, um, and they still will field a squad that you think is pretty worthy. Um, I think when you have players like Leroy Sane, who you know he always gets goals assists, he's a very good player, and Laporte comes back. Um, it might be a different story. You might not be saying it's Liverpool's to lose at that point, depending on how injuries come up for Liverpool as well. So it's it like, yeah, you're right. It's 30 games to play. It's still all to play for. City have players to come back. Liverpool have players to fall out. <laughs> so who knows? Yeah, that's it. Um, just, just moving on slightly. Um, the two games I want to talk about. Uh, yeah. First, I want to talk about the Chelsea game. Yep. Chelsea taking Southampton to the sword. So you watched this game. Yep, I predicted it correctly, actually, on our predictions. You did. You did. Very well done to you, by the way. Thank you. It's the only one I got right. Um, yeah, I think I only got the Liverpool score right. Yeah. Um, which is two, two, two in a row for me with Liverpool, so cheers. Um, I mean, yeah, go on, give us your, give us your analysis. Chelsea just, they look really good, man. They look really, really good. There, there was a moment where um, Southampton scored and you thought, ooh, at the back, Chelsea aren't as... I mean, obviously, Tomori looks looks good, um, but he's not there yet. Zuma is not so good, I don't think. Zuma doesn't make the grain. Chelsea's still got Rudiger to come back. But yeah, generally, like going forwards, and maybe it's partly to do with them having young players, they just look really hungry. Tammy Abraham looks hungry, got a really good goal lobbing the keeper. Mason Mount is always, you know, on the on the press, looking hungry. Um, and Golo Kante is just wonderful. He's just a wonderful player and a wonderful person. Um, Batshuayi comes off the bench to score a goal. hudson Adoy's back looking solid. It's a good time to be a Chelsea fan, I really think. Pulisic is supposed to be a good player. He hasn't done it yet, but 
if he then comes good, that's another option in midfield they've got. Um, I don't think Barkley's a bad player. Uh, I just think it's it's a real good time to be a Chelsea fan. Mason Mount's a really interesting one. Mm-hmm. Um, because there is no better goal-scoring midfielder than Frank Lampard. Absolutely. And now Frank's taken the reins and Mason Mount's sort of in that position and he's consistently scoring. That input from Frank Lampard really could, really could potentially make Mason Mount yeah. the next Frank Lampard. You just know that he's like Frank Lampard's little prodigy. You know, yeah. he, he worked with him at Derby and he's brought him to Chelsea with him. And, you know, I, I can't really see Mason Mount being at any other club as long as Frank Lampard's at Chelsea. Yeah. And I think that he's, you know, it's an impressive, it's an impressive win. Um, and like you said, they're a young side. Yeah. They've got a lot of young English talent in there. Um, I'm a big fan really of Hudson well Adoy as well. Country. Yeah. Yeah. And I think him being back is real good. And I think that when Chelsea get Rudiger back, and I think he'll probably replace Kurt Zuma, because like you said, he's not quite up to, up to scratch. Yeah. But they've, They've real. They've they've got the potential to do well over the next few years. I don't think. I think this season's come too early for them. I think. I think they'll get top four. I do think they'll get top four. Um, but over the next few years, you know, once that transfer ban's ended and they keep with the players that they've got, but you know, bring in some real good quality backup and sort of replace some of the age inside, they could they could be a force. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, there's not really much more so, we, yeah, can, big... we can say about them. Southampton um, kind of expected them to lose that game. Southampton are one of those clubs where I don't think they're going to get relegated, but I, I think they're a mid to bottom half of the table team. Mm, yeah, they're not. They're not looking too great, are they? They're not looking too great. They're. Pretty, um, I think they're level with Everton um, in terms of goal difference. Games won, lost, and drawn. Same amount of points. Yeah. Um, but it, weirdly, I, I don't really think either of those two teams will get relegated. No, I don't. I don't. Um, on to a team that could has a real possibility of getting relegated. Um, and the second game that I wanted to talk about was uh, the Norwich Aston Villa game. Yeah, man. Uh, I think so, after the first few games of the season, everyone thought Norwich are a force to be reckoned with, but. Other than the the freak win against Man City, they've I think they've only scored one goal, and they've lost all of their games in like the last six or something. So the the with Norwich, I never really thought they'd be a force to be reckoned with, but I did think that they'd be exciting. Hmm. And you know, I mean, a five one game is pretty exciting. Yeah, I mean, it's the the thing is, is you could see from their first game against Liverpool they're going to come at you. They're going to attack. Yeah. What we're starting to see now though, is, is whether or not they are, whether that attack is going to be sustainable enough to ha- get them out of problems and whether the defense is going to be good enough to keep them out. They're, um, they're shocking at the back. Uh, yeah. And that, and that's it. And that's it. It's sort of like, I mean, that's a big loss at home to, a, to a fellow promoted team. Hmm. Is, is a big loss. Um, I, and it's not something you can really defend either. 
I I like Norwich. Um, I like how they play. I still maintain that I think it's a breath of fresh air, despite the fact that they're not doing great. Um, I like the fact that they don't sit back. I like that they're kind of all all action. Um, the problem is, is it's it's almost like it almost seems like they're going to die by the sword. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm literally just so, looking at their their last few fixtures. They haven't kept a clean sheet all season, and from the looks things, they they won't, which says a lot, yeah. really. Yeah, I mean, I can't see them keeping a clean sheet. Um, but like I said, I mean, it. I think it very much depends on how Pookie, because Pookie's going through an ever so slight dry patch, just an ever so slight one. Mm-hmm. Um, so it will. It remains to be seen how long that goes through. I think the longer they, the longer he goes through that, the worse it's going to get for them. Um, but it's a heavy loss by a team that I weren't expecting it. To be honest, I thought Norwich might do Villa. Yes, yeah, um, being at home, being at home, fellow promoted team. On on the flip side, then what what do we think of Villa? Are Villa looking good? Are they going to step? They've got players like Jack Grealish. Funnily enough, Wesley, I think, is crap, but he scored two goals. <laughs> <laughs> he's like he's like Penteke version two, isn't he? Uh, that, that's a perfect way to describe him. He like has like, the, like the physical finish. ingredients to be a great player, but he's just not. He's just He seems like a slight bit clumsy. I mean, you can't argue with with his. I mean, he's he started all right. I, can't, I don't know how many goals he's got currently. He definitely should have more. I think it, um, it's he, he, and I guess that's testament to him getting in the right positions. But I don't know. I feel I feel he should be putting more away. The yeah, I, I understand what you're saying, but I mean, he's still you know for a promoted team. I know that you know they're creating a few chances, but he's not doing too badly. I mean, he's on uh, four goals. So well, it's, it's, you know, it's more than too, Rashford. It's not too bad. It's the same as same as Salah, same as Mason Mount. Mm. It's more than Firmino, Rashford. Well, maybe I'm just so, slightly bitter because I took him out my fantasy squad this week, and uh, he went and scored two. And I put in who did I put in? I put in a Chris Wood, Burnley, because I thought Burnley were going to thump Everton. But um, yeah, so maybe I'm just slightly bitter, and maybe I'm just trying to validate my decision to take Wesley out of my fantasy squad. Ah, <laughs> um, but no, I think Villa Villa have done incredibly well. Um, remains to be seen whether they stay up or not. Um. I think, they, I think they will. You know, carry on playing like that and obviously they've got a real good chance. Um, Grealish is a great player but, as well. I think Grealish... Yeah, he, he looks good. He yeah. does look good. And I like John McGinn as well. I'm a big fan of John McGinn. Oh yeah, he's quality. Grealish looks like um, a prick. He looks like a... <laughs> he looks like the kind of guy who would, I don't know, say something about your mom when a corner's being taken. Just to, He just looks like a prick. I think it's the hairstyle. No offense to anyone you, with that hairstyle, but yeah, I just you know, have you have you have you literally have you just sectioned everyone with that hairstyle to be a prick? I unfortunately have. 
And that, uh, I guess that's, that's based then. on based on my experience with people with that haircut in Sunday league football like, in particular. That is, that is ever so slightly stereotypical of you. It is a bit, isn't it? I should be careful. This is a public podcast. <laughs> this, but the, but the the generic football show has has always been a polarizing. It's always been very polarizing. So we're just keeping up. Yeah, especially you. you you've all, you've always been polarizing. So, um. I, I don't know. Should I be saying good work because you're at least consistent? Uh, I mean, consistency is important and it's, it's, you know, I'm more consistent than most of the teams in the Premier League, in all fairness. <laughs> then congratulations. <laughs> congratulations for pissing off one more section of people. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just trying to turn um, everyone against me. Loads of Man United yeah, fans yeah, have turned I'll... their back on me as well because of my loan deal to Leicester. Yeah, man. I don't even think Leicester fans want you, though. That's the thing. I don't think they do. I don't think anyone wants me at the moment. No. like, And I think that you deserve it. Um, You know what? I'm, I'll take it. Like, I'll, I'm really sorry, but you've swapped teams. You've, you were, you know, I remember at school when you were high and mighty about United, when, you know, when you have Ronaldo and Rooney and you, you know, you wouldn't, you know, be quiet. Well, and like, now, you know, hard times. And still my parent club. just jump ship. They're still my parent club. jump ship. Well, no, I haven't jumped ship. I'm, they're still my parent club. I'm just, you know, they ultimately my heart is with them. But right now my focus is on Leicester. You know, that makes sense. It's just look like... Look what happened. One, one game, one game in and they've lost. Just like Mason Mount. You, you do. <laughs> but they put up a good fight, to be fair. I don't think Man United would have put up as good a fight against Liverpool as Leicester did. We'll see. We'll see next Sunday. Yeah, we will see next Sunday. We're doing a. Uh, actually, no, I won't announce it. Special edition graphic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, keep it under wraps. Yeah, yeah. Keep it under wraps. Um, so, um, like yeah. I mean, Arsenal won again. Yeah, not the most convincing win. Um, such as Arsenal yeah I mean I mean the stats I mean Bournemouth had more tra- well Bournemouth had more shots um, possession was pretty close I think Bournemouth on their I mean, day are a really good team as well so in, in all fairness it was kind of a good day yeah how if, often does their day come around that's that's so true. They should be absolutely more consistent because, like, if you look at their squad alone, they've got a very very good squad. I'm quite. I've become quite the fan of Nathan Ake as well. I think he's he's quite a decent defender. Um, obviously Callum Callum Wilson, Harry Wilson's looking quite good as well. Um, what's his name? Ryan Fraser. I almost got the golden. What do you call it when you get the most assists? It's like the golden sock. <laughs> it's, I don't know. The golden, the golden sock. The golden briefs. <laughs> yeah. Because it's not, it's not quite a golden boot, but you use your boots. The golden, golden lens, because you've got the vision. I don't know what it is. But yeah, Ryan Fraser is good at assisting, is what I'm trying to say. I mean, maybe, maybe we should name it. Maybe if there isn't a name, maybe we should name it. 
golden sock award. Golden lens. Got, uh, or we could name it after a player who's been like instrumental in assists over the years. Like who is the greatest ever Premier League assister and we'll do it like, is it Ryan Giggs? The Ryan Giggs trophy. Oh, oh in fact, there is a name for it. Oh, what is it? The Premier League Playmaker Award. Oh, the Playmaker Award. I think we should rename it anyway because that is rubbish. Yeah, it's got to be the golden something. The... Yeah, like the golden flannel. The golden eye. Oh. Oh. Mm-hmm. We'll think on it. Yeah. <laughs> we'll think on it. We could do a poll. Um... Other games at the weekend that we haven't touched on. One game I actually watched on, I think it was the evening kickoff on Saturday, um, the All East London Affair. So two of my local clubs, um, West Ham and Crystal Palace. That was a really good game. I quite enjoyed watching that. Uh, Crystal Palace came back from 1-0 down to win 2-1. Uh, I was Pat- actually at a wedding, so I, ah. I didn't see this. So this is all on you. Well, it was just a really interesting game and it's it's one of those games with two teams and you you don't really know which way it's going to go. On paper, arguably West Ham have the better squad, but as we know, West Ham are not always that consistent. And same with Crystal Palace. They can lose a lot of games and they can just pop up and beat someone fairly decent. Um, yeah. And yeah, just one of those games. Again, Wilfred Zahar has so much flair. He just... Even the way his body tilts and turns means you just can't get the ball off of him. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't really know what to say. Uh, Sebastian Haller got a goal. Um, who? Yeah, you know, looks, 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 he looks decent. Yeah, I've heard a lot of people say this, and I'm not sure if I've seen enough as of yet uh, to say he's decent. Are, but the problem is, is you're comparing him to all West Ham. Like... You're you're already comparing him to like West Ham strikers of the past, and they've no they've been notoriously shit at buying strikers. Yeah. So, I, I think that that's probably in his favour. Yeah, I guess so. Um, what was most interesting about the game is obviously it was uh, went one 0 to West Ham, and then soon after Chris Palace got a penalty, Patrick Van Aanholt converted it, um, and then in the latter stages of the game. I, I have to say this, Jordan Ayew is like really frustrating because he should be good, but he's so consistently bad. But then he pops up with the winner. Um, and it was a really like interesting one because it was initially given for offside. So Jordan Ayew went to celebrate, looked straight over to the linesman, disappointed. Oh, what do you mean offside? Ah, all the commotion. And then uh, it went to VAR review. Um, after quite a long VAR review, it was given as a goal. Um, and yeah, Crystal Palace won. And Ayu did that thing where he walks over to the fans, beats his chest, and it just felt so undeserved. He was beating his yeah. chest like, yeah, I'm a real winner. And you, you kind of think to yourself, you had a terrible game, but it just was in the right place to score the winner. Um yeah, just interesting one of them. I must say, actually, Townsend, uh, he can cross a ball. Townsend can definitely, you know, he can he can put a ball in. <laughs> <laughs> he, he can get his balls in. Wouldn't be surprised if like, he got I quite just, a few I, kids. <laughs> <laughs> I just love the fact that it's just like, yeah, Townsend, he can cross a ball in. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
Yeah, Townsend, um, he's, he's a weird guy because like there was one stage where he was like banging in goals for England and stuff. And I don't know, he, he's a man of few talents, but those few talents he does quite well, I think. He scores a banger every season, doesn't he? Yeah, but just one. He's a, he's a bit like Two Guy. Do you remember Two Guy that played for Blackburn? Yes. He was like he Two Guy. every season. Yeah. Stop it. Stop it. Um, the the last two, um, the last two games of the weekend was Burnley Everton, which we touched on briefly because you had Chris Wood. Yeah. Um, I always saw Burnley won. winning that. Yeah. Everton is just. Sh- yeah. Seamus Coleman went down to. Seamus Coleman went down, uh, sort of had two yellows, went down to 10 men. Jeff Hendrick with a really good finish, real mm-hmm. good volley at the back post. Yeah. Yeah. Good, um, good technique that volley was. Kind of like side footed yes. it on the volley, which I quite like. So, some might say unbelievable techers. Unbelievable techers, Jeff. Um, and the final game was uh, Watford and uh, Shelford United. That'll do. <laughs> yeah, man. So another another week of football. Um, just to remind people, um, we still have a fantasy football league that I am now bottom of. So I'd, I would appreciate if, especially if you're not doing well in fantasy football, you join our league. So maybe I won't be in the relegation zone. Um, you can join us via the code PBBMXI. Can we have phonetics, please? Phonetics, yep. Um... Perseus, Batman, Batman, Meteorite, um, Xylophone, India. Cool. Right. Yeah. So if anyone didn't hear that, that was Perseus, Batman, Batman, Meteorite, Xylophone, India. That's the one. Yeah. Okay, phonetics are getting better. Yes. We've not used Ray Palmer this week. <laughs> no. um, we've also we've also got a Facebook page now because we're big time. Yes. Uh, well, we're not actually big time. We really need we really need people to follow us. So yes, if you could follow just follow us. us, that would be really good. Like like that would be really nice. Like sort of, you know, just feels a little bit lonely me following on my own. Um <laughs> it's the and same. we have an Instagram page. Yep, it's the same handle for both. That's literally at the generic football show. All one word. Because yep. it has to be one word in a in a handle. It does. It does. There can be no spaces. I mean you can have no underscores, spaces. but we don't have any underscores. We don't need punctuation. Yeah. That would be silly. Yeah. That would just be silly. There we go. Uh, but I'm not going to insult people that have underscores in their name because or there are a like lot Jack of people Grealish. and some of and Jack Grealish hair. Yeah. Because they might listen to the podcast and we really like you. If you've got an underscore in your name and hair like Jack Grealish, you're like the worst type of person in society. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> and on that note, I think it's time to end. Nice one, Dad. I'll catch you next week. See you next week. Safe, man. <laughs>